Hello and welcome to Be The Wolf. I am your host, Jenea Barnes. Many people struggle to be the fullest, biggest, truest versions of themselves. They bend to fit into other people's ideals of who and what they should be. They tame their brilliance to avoid judgment and gain approval. A long time ago, people attempted to tame the wilderness of Yellowstone National Park by eradicating predators. Taming the wilderness collapsed the ecosystem. But there's hope. In the mid-90s, 41 wolves were introduced into the park and with this, the ecosystem replenished itself and flourished. The wolves did nothing but be exactly who they are meant to be and do what they were born to do. So I say to you, be the wolf. Hello, hello everybody and welcome to this episode of Be The Wolf. I've been looking forward to this one for a while. I'm here with Tracy Hartley. She is a birth doula and a childbirth educator and this is her calling. But it's not always so easy to answer your calling. It takes some perseverance. And we're going to talk about that today and what Tracy does. So Tracy, can you say hello to everybody and tell us a little bit about what a birth doula is? Yeah. Okay. Um, a birth doula goes with a expectant family to the hospital or the birth center or their house and provides comfort and makes suggestions for position changes and just helps them navigate the birth, the birth process, helps them feel more empowered, more in control, and reduces the need for pain medication, reduces cesarean sections, so much. Um, uh, and I'm yeah. there for the partner as well. I always say I like to make the partner the hero of the story rather than the doula. So I focus on helping the partner learn what needs to be done. I love that. And I think um, you, pro I'm sure you know better than I, but it's my understanding that cesareans are way more common than they have ever been. And well, you could tell us later about why you think that might be. I have my suspicions, <laughs> which may or may not be true. But um, so you weren't always a birth doula. You had many, many careers before you came to know what your calling was. What are some of the things that you did before you followed your calling? Um, how much time do we have? It's a long <laughs> list. Um, I was an air traffic controller straight out of high school. I went in the Navy and became an air traffic controller. I was a veterinary assistant. I was a bookkeeper. I was a counselor for Vietnam veterans. Um, and then I trained dogs for people with disabilities other than blindness. And I did that for 18 years. I was the head trainer at Canine Companions for a little while. And that was exciting. Um, 
And then I got into computers and I was a word processor. I ran a big word processing department and that was the last job I had before I became a doula. You know, people make career changes or they get a little bit older in life and they think I'm too old to make a career change. And I, I mean, I, I hear 26 year olds and 27 year olds saying this, and I know I made my career change later in life. So how old were you when you first, when you made the shift? I was 49. I was watching the Today Show because it was so long ago. There was no GPS, no wave, no maps on your phone, no phones um, that weren't attached to the wall. So it was a long time ago and I was watching the Today Show for the traffic report. And they said, coming up after the traffic report, we're going to be talking to these people about doulas. And I was like, blah, 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 whatever. And the next thing I knew, I was like, what? This is a job that I could learn in a short amount of time and help women have babies? And that was it. I couldn't think of anything else all day. I just couldn't wait to get home. I got home. I went on the internet, um, which was barely anything in 1996. But I found a doula training. And I signed up that night. And the next morning I went to work and I told my boss I'd be leaving in six months to become a doula. Wow. So you just knew at that moment when you like, I love that you said you heard them talking about doulas and you're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But you were so glued to the TV. And you told me before in our previous conversation that you were like running late to work because you could not take yourself away from the television. I couldn't. My now ex-husband came in the room and he was like, aren't you going to work today? I was like, shh, shh, shh. I, I have to watch this. And it was, a, you know, it was like a 10 minute segment or something. I was just going to be 10 minutes late for work because I couldn't leave. So changed my life. What was the thing that really grabbed you? Because you told me that you really understood that, like what people say now when they talk about having a calling. So you knew it right away, right away. But what was the thing that really grabbed you? It was a combination. It was the whole package of empowering families and seeing a new life come into the world. And I had thought many years before that, oh, I'd love to be a midwife. And I had read mm -hmm. Ina Mae Gaskin's books and I thought, this, this is it. And then I found out it was like a lot of schooling and a lot of responsibility. And at that point I figured I'd been an air traffic controller and raised, raised teenagers. Um, <laughs> that was enough responsibility in my life, but I really wanted, I loved the work. So when I found out about doulas, it was like a three-day training. I had to read four books, and I read four books a week anyway. So I had to read a couple of books and go to a weekend training, and then I was a doula. 
And I came home from my doula training and I was so excited. I was ready to explode. I wanted to go hunt down a pregnant woman and shove a business card in her face. It was a little over-enthusiastic. And um, I started to make dinner and the phone rang and it was my daughter. And she said, Mom, I'm pregnant. And I was like, so oh my goodness. Um, I didn't know what her plans were, but um, I was more excited than she was. And of course, she decided to have the baby and I was her doula. And that was my second birth as a doula. And the only client I ever have told, you don't need a doula, uh, you don't need an epidural, you have a doula, so you don't need any pain medication. And it turned out I was right in her case. She didn't need an epidural, but I would never say that to anybody else because some women do need it. And, you know, if you have a fairly short birth, it's doable. The pain is manageable. The exhaustion is not manageable. Right. So right. she got lucky. One of the things that, you know, I love that you sort of had an inkling of your calling before when you were interested in being a midwife. And, but there wasn't like all the pieces weren't there for you. Right. And yeah, go ahead. Well, I just, I didn't have the money. I would have had to travel. I would have had to go to school. I had two young children. You know, I was barely living paycheck to paycheck. I was like, what am I thinking? Changing jobs in the middle without something, you know, something tangible, something like a job offer. I didn't have anything. And so I couldn't, I couldn't follow up. And I just filed it away for later. Yeah. But I don't think there were really doulas back when I was first interested. Right. So it was just, it wasn't my time yet. Yeah. Well, and I think so many people, especially parents have these moments where they have a calling, they have an interest, they really want to move forward, but the pieces just aren't doable at that time because they have children to raise, maybe financially it's not viable. And one of the things that's so cool that I'm seeing happen out in the world today is people are carving out their own careers that are just uh, almost like a hodgepodge of their experience and there are different things that they're interested in and people are really and i think this has a lot to do with the internet and just so many things being online people are able to create careers out of almost like out of thin air and so when you have these obstacles like you had back then and so many careers, right? You need a degree, you need a certain amount of education to be licensed to do something. And then, but I want people to really take note that so often there is a workaround to be able to follow your calling, to find your passion. And so being a doula was just that for you. It was 
not the responsibility. I love that. You didn't have to like hold all of the responsibility and you get to do the things that really bring your heart fulfillment. You nailed it. That's it exactly. And yeah, I couldn't have done it when I was in my early 20s. I, there was no internet. There was no, you didn't have the kind of options that we have now. But when I first heard that word doula and I went to work, I came home and I thought about, I was like, how can I make this work? I wasn't making a ton of money, but it was a decent job with benefits. And I knew I was going to be given all of that good stuff up. So mm -hmm. that's why I gave six months notice at work instead of just quitting and my boss said, well, six months is a lot. And I said, well, I wanted to give you a heads up. And I have a lot of sick time and vacation time saved up because I never took time off of work. And so I'm only going to do one birth a month. So one day every month, I'm going to take a sick or a vacation day. Um, and that's it. And then in six months, I'll know if it's going to work or not. And he agreed. And six months later, he said, we can't replace you. Can you stay a little longer? <laughs> and I said, how much more money are we talking about? And he gave me a very nice raise to stay on part time. And so that gave me the ability to get my business off the ground. You can't go into doula work if you're already broke. Because, mm. you know, if you go from a job where there's a paycheck every Friday to suddenly being, um, you're the paycheck, where's the money coming from? How am I finding clients? It's not easy. It takes a while to get a reputation, to get known. People contact you and say, great, you sound great. How many births have you attended? And you say, well, my own and um, I watch a lot of YouTube births, they're going to move on to somebody with more experience. So it makes it really hard to get started. And if you don't have some kind of a little nest egg to pay the rent and buy groceries, you're going to give up. And I was the membership director at the Doulas Association of Southern California, which is a great organization. And over the years, new doulas would come in and they'd be so enthusiastic and they really loved the work and then they would disappear and i would follow up and say hey what's happening and they're like yeah i'm back at my job at staples yeah i'm back at cvs working again i couldn't make it work because they needed the money so i think it's great but you have to make yourself some kind of a plan for how are you going to bring in money while you're living your dream? You got to be able to do both. Absolutely. And I, I see this happening with a lot of people in, you know, the last few years, it's like, they really want to follow their passion. They really want to do something meaningful. So they're, everyone's like, Oh, everything is online. I can make money online. It's super easy, but they don't realize once you, if you take that leap and you take it like, fully by quitting your job <laughs> and you don't have, as you said, a nest egg saved up, you don't realize when you go into business for yourself, all the different pieces, there is the marketing, there is the bookkeeping, there is the like 
um, having to, as you said, it's all like you only get have you to depend on. So really being able to trust yourself and trust that what you're doing is your calling, something so important to you that you're willing to pick up and keep going no matter what. And so you had, you started when the internet was relatively new, you, what are some of the things that you had to do to make your business work in the beginning? Um, well, I knew I was going to need a website and there was no, you know, easy WordPress or Squarespace or any of those where you can go and pick a template and put your information on it. That wasn't happening yet. I kind of wish I had been the one to make it happen, but I was never good at design. So what I did was I would look at other websites and I'd say, oh, I like those colors. Oh, I like the way this thing is over here. That looks good. And then I found out you could view the source of the page by right-clicking and see what code they put in and then I just had a, um, a copy of what they did to make this happen and what they did to make that happen. And I built a website. And then I built one for the Duelist Association. I built one for a friend who was teaching belly dancing. I, you know, I got into building websites because that was what was happening. And that was a little extra work. But it made me more competent and made me feel like, okay, now I'm legitimate. I have a website when very few doulas even had email. So oh, yeah, I went, I went to my first doulas association meeting, which turned out to be the first doulas association meeting. <clears throat> and I took down everybody's name. I was like, oh, well, I'll act as secretary. So I took notes and I got everybody's name and contact information. And then I wrote to all of them a letter on paper with a pen and a stamp. And because like one other person had email. And so I wrote a letter to everybody I could find who was a doula. And I said, please let me go with you to a birth. I'll carry your bag. I'll do whatever you need. Um, and one of them called me and said, my client's husband broke his foot and I need someone literally to carry the bags. And I'm like, I'm it. I'll carry your bags. And so that was my first birth and my first introduction to marketing. Yeah. And it was um, hard. Yeah. And one thing that I hear in that is it's almost like, you. okay, you now have the skills. And when people go to college, they do this. They get, they get the skills. They learn the things. But then they have to get the experience because nobody takes you seriously unless you have experience. So you didn't have this structure like they have in college where you go apply for business for an internship. You basically had to beg somebody to create an internship for you so that you could get the experience and learn the hands-on pieces that you really needed to be able to be successful in your business. Absolutely. And what I do now for new doulas, and I can do this for doulas anywhere in the country, if a doula is brand new, she can offer as part of her services an experienced doula 
to be there virtually. And for a fee, the client can call me during labor. The doula can call me during labor. They can say, hey, the doctor just came in and said blah, blah, blah. And I don't know what to do about that. I can help them. I can help them navigate. And that way, a brand new doula can get more experience because they've got an experienced doula in their pocket. I love doing that. That is super powerful. And, you know, what a way to give back to remember your, like, trying to really get your hooks into the industry, which was so, I mean, I think doula, birth dueling has been around for thousands of years, I'm assuming. But the reality is most people haven't even known about it. And so you were kind of coming in in the 90s. So, and we talk about your experience. So having, being fresh and wanting to start something new and having somebody there to potentially hold your hand if you need it is super powerful, especially somebody like you who has had tremendous amount of experience. So I, I wrote the copy for this <laughs> podcast yesterday, um, but you have had another birth. So you are up to how many births, births now? I can't even say that, births now. <laughs> 698 births, 690. I, I just can't believe it. And because I've been doing it so long, like some of my babies, I see them on a TV show. I see them singing in a band. One of them works for NASA. They're ballet dancers. They're, it's just amazing to me. I feel like I have 698 babies out in the world and only three of them are actually related to me. <laughs> I totally get that feeling of when you see them do great things in the world, like it feels like you were a part of that. One of the things I love so much about what I do is that it helps people to actually step in and be who they really are, who they're really born to be. And it, it ripples out into the world. And I know that I played some small part in that. And that's one of the most fulfilling things for me what are the, tell me a little bit more about what are the most fulfilling things about you and your work? The part about where I help the couples understand what's happening is so important. And so many people don't realize. So when I had my first baby, I didn't know anything about birth. My sister gave me a book. Thank you, Dr. Lamaze, which I think I got about halfway through. And I thought, why do I need to read a book? I'm gonna be at a hospital. They're gonna be doctors and nurses. This is all they do. They're gonna help me. They're gonna tell me what I need to do and I'll do what they tell me and I'll have a baby. Um, it's a little embarrassing to realize how naive I was because what I know now about hospital births is that they're not there for the patient, they're there for the hospital. Their job is to fulfill what the risk management department tells them they are allowed to do. 
Um, most doctors won't catch a breech baby. Even though breech birth is faster, it's easier for the pregnant person to carry a breech baby, but doctors will only do a C-section. Why? The risk management department said, I don't know, I don't think this is safe. And women have been having breech babies since the beginning of time, and it is safe, but the doctor needs to know how to do it. So when the hospital said, we don't feel safe doing it, schools stopped teaching it. So doctors don't know how. So doctors have said to me, I would love to be able to catch a breech baby, but they never taught me how to do that in medical school. Wow. Or I've had doctors say, you, she wants to be on her hands and knees. How is she going to push a baby out on her hands and knees? I had a doctor say to me, I don't know what's happening because everything is upside down. And I was like, didn't you watch Sesame Street? <laughs> it's like, it's the same, but upside down. I, it's amazing to me. I've had doctors say, I've never seen a woman give birth without an epidural before. Never. Wow. Like, I've seen hundreds. Um, I've had nurses say that too, that they'd never seen an unmedicated birth. I've seen a woman standing by her hospital bed giving birth. I've seen a woman catch her own baby. I've seen dads catch a baby. Yeah. So it's, you know, there's a lot that can be done and the doctors and nurses are not going to say, oh yeah, if you want your partner to catch your baby, that's fine. Right. They'll never say that. Never. Right. So because risk management. Risk management. So a lot of times people don't understand the importance of preparation. And preparation is what my classes are about. More than education, it's preparation. Because I want you to know when you get there and the doctor comes in and says, well, now we're going to do this thing. You need to know what this thing is, why the doctor wants to do it, whether you have to say yes, or if you can say, I'd like a little more time, or no, thank you, I'm not interested in doing that. Um, at this last birth, the, the dad said to the mom, can I hold the baby? The baby was in the warmer. And the mom turned to the nurse and said, can he hold the baby? And I looked at her and I said, it's your baby and his baby, what do you think? And she said, oh, right, yeah, honey, go pick up our baby. But for that brief moment, it was as if the baby belonged to the hospital. Mm. What I really hear in this, and this is a powerful, you know, lead, leading into the be the wolf quality is one of the big be the wolf qualities is making your own choices that are 100% right for you and not having to bend to what somebody else thinks. Because deep down inside, we each know what is best for us. Sometimes maybe we don't have the experience, the education, but when we reach out to people to help us with that so that we do know what our choices are, so we can make the best choice for us. And what I really hear in what you're saying is 
that you help people be able to make the choices that are right for them during the whole birth experience. That's it. That's it exactly. If you don't know what your choices are, you don't have any choices. Yeah. If somebody says, you know, this is what we're having for dinner, you're going to eat that for dinner. But if you're at a restaurant, you don't want the server to come over and say, well, this is what you're having for dinner. You're like, well, I'd like to see a menu. And what's yeah. in this, this uh, particular dish? What actually are the ingredients? I want to know what they're, what's in it because maybe I don't like that ingredient or maybe it's not good for me. But if nobody gives you a choice, you got to eat what they put on your plate. And I tell my clients, you know, if you want steak and lobster for dinner, don't go to McDonald's because you're going to be really disappointed. So if you want to have a beautiful birth in a tub, um, why are you going to the hospital? They're not going to let you have a birth in a tub or they will let you, but you're going to have to do a whole lot of work ahead of time. Talk to the administrator, get approval for the tub. You're going to have to fill up the tub. You're going to have to empty the tub. I've had clients do it, but it's a lot of work. So if that's, I want to give you all the options so you can say, this is the thing that's really important to me and I'll fight for this. Yeah. The rest of it, maybe not so important. So, and what's important is going to be different for every single person. When I tell people what I do, like I meet somebody for the first time and I say, I'm a doula, I get two reactions. Oh my God, that's amazing. I would love to do that. And ew, gross, yuck. Why would you do that? Okay, there's something for everybody. I love what I do. Apparently not everybody wants to see a baby being born. I don't, I don't know why you wouldn't want to, but okay, more for me. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. It's like we each have our own particular calling or our own purpose, the thing that's right for us, just as if we were going to have a baby, it's going to be a certain circumstances, a certain, I'm feeling lost for words today. <laughs> Usually I'm so on top of it, but today I'm like, uh, 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 uh. Um, but just, you know, having those choices and what's right for you is not going to necessarily be right for me. And I think that's so important in career, in having a child and knowing your options and knowing that you have options. I think so often we are just put through a system, whether it be the hospital system, the education system, the, the system in our town when we're maybe looking for support or need. And we think that's all there is. And I guarantee you, if you really, if whoever you are, if you really want to find something that is outside the norm of what you were told you were supposed to do, if you know that there's something else out there for you, but maybe you don't know what it is, that if you start looking between the internet and talking to people, asking questions left and right, you will start to find the breadcrumbs of the answers. 
So I think it's so important to always look for your choices, always look for that thing that's going to be right for you because you are a unique human being and so important to the world to have the experiences, especially when it comes to something like birth, that you desire, that you want. It's such a monumental occasion. There's there's another thing that I really, there's two more points that I want to really get into with your story. And one of the things that you talked to me about was how, you know, your experience as an air traffic controller helped you to learn how to leave emotion out of it and really be present and be there for what's happening in the moment. And of course, you weren't able to do that quite as well with your own child <laughs> during her birth. Uh, but I think there's something to be said about being able to stay calm, cool, and collected and make choices from that place. Can you share a little bit about really holding that place of being calm and collected during these circumstances that, of course, many people feel are stressful? Um, well, exactly. At my daughter's birth, what I learned was what it's like to be the partner of the person giving birth. She was a single mom. So I was, I was her support person. I was her mother. I was her partner. That was me. And I was also trying to be her doula. And you cannot do both very well. Because as a partner, as a mother, I'm so emotionally involved. It was very hard there was a point where she started bleeding a little more than was anticipated after the baby came out. And in my head, I was like screaming, somebody help my daughter. And I had to tell myself, calm down. She needs me to be calm. And I, and I said, you're doing fine. Everything is great. I took her hand and I said, they've got, you know, they're taking care of this. You're okay. Lay your head down. And she was fine. But I learned when you're the partner, you can't be that calm person. And I've seen it many, many times where the partner or the mother kind of freaks out. And I have to like make sure everybody is okay. And it's a lot easier to do when you're not emotionally invested. Right. So um, I, I learned that... In air traffic control, you can't, oh my God, they're playing. Oh. You know, you they don't want to hear the air traffic controller freaking out any more than the people on the plane want to hear the pilot freaking out. Right. You can freak out, but you gotta do it in here. You cannot you can't let people know how freaked out you are. So it was good for me. And what I what I have learned to do is kind of like when I watch television. I can get very emotional watching a TV show. I can get very hooked into that character and somebody dies on television or they, their marriage ends or something happens and I'm like tissue after tissue crying. I'm really invested. And then the mm -hmm. show is over and I have to be okay. I can't carry that burden 
of that TV character's loss all day, because I'm going to be talking to other people. In the same sense, you know, if I see something scary at the birth, I have to be able to say that's, that's scary, but I can't carry that because I'm not going to be able to serve this person very well. If I'm sad, I'm upset, I'm worried, I can't provide what a doula provides, which is comfort, support. I have to be the rock. And then I can go out in my car and cry sometimes, and that happens. But by the time I'm home, it's like that show is over and I need to move on to the next one. And I know a lot of doulas have a hard time letting go. And they're like, oh, I saw this birth two months ago and it's just tearing me apart. Like, you got it. The mother has moved on. Trust me. Everyone has moved on. You need to move on. So it, it took a while. It's a powerful lesson in anything because as you, if you, if you're completely emotionally invested in something, if it doesn't go the way you expect it to, it throws everything off. And a lot of times people make it about themselves. Like they did something wrong or that they're a bad person because it didn't go the way they expected because they were so emotionally involved. And we make better decisions from a place of emotional calm. When we let our emotions get too overwhelming, that's when we tend to make rash decisions that are just trying to get us out of our perceived pain of the moment. And whether you, doesn't matter what it is, if you're at a birth, if you're dealing with a boss, if you're <laughs> dealing with a relationship, you're always going to make decisions that are not as powerful for you in the long term if you're operating from a very emotionally overly emotionally invested place. You'll always make a more powerful decision if you're in a place of calm. And that's not to say that we don't get to have our emotions. Of course you get to have your emotions and it's not healthy to stuff them down and pretend they don't exist. And I love how you mentioned that, yes, sometimes afterwards you go out in the car and you cry because those emotions need to move out of the body so that you can actually move forward and be present at the next situation rather than, like you said, carrying those things with you over and over again. Absolutely. I had a new doula one time tell me she had just attended her first birth and I had been talking to her. I said, call me afterwards. I want to hear how it went. So she called me and she was really upset. And I said, what happened? And she said, I just, I've completely failed her. And I said, really, what happened? She said, well, she got an epidural. I was like, and? She goes, well, she didn't want one. I said, did somebody make her have it or give it to her without permission? Oh, no, she asked for it. She said, I failed to provide enough comfort so she wouldn't need an epidural. And I was like, she made a choice. Sounds like you made a choice that was a different choice. So as a doula, we don't make any choices. It's, it's not our choice to make. My choice is what would you like? 
and I'll help you get it. You want an unmedicated birth? I'll do everything I can. But you have to know that you have the right to change your mind at any time. Because no one knows what they're getting into until they're in it. So it's not like parachute jumping. You can't halfway down out of the plane. You can't say, wait, wait, I'd like to go back up. This isn't what I wanted. At that point, you've made the commitment. But um, in birth, you can change your mind a lot. And that happens. And it's not anyone's fault. It's that the circumstances have changed. So you got to go with it. I love this because this is such a great metaphor for anything and everything is that you can change your mind. Even if you have a strong calling that is your total passion to follow, you don't have to keep doing it if it's not fulfilling you anymore. You get to change your mind whenever you want. If you decided that you were five years old and you wanted to be a doctor and you went all the way through medical school and you did your residency and you got in it and you don't like it. It's not giving you what you thought it would be. You get to change your mind. You don't have to stay an air traffic controller forever or a, a service animal trainer forever. When you have that thing that really speaks to you and it's important for you, you get to change your mind. Such a powerful metaphor for everything and such an extreme moment when women who have given birth really understand that, that you do have the right to change your mind. And we talk a lot about that during my preparation classes because there does come a time in birth when most women will say, I can't do it. I changed my mind. I remember saying to the doctor, I just need a break. Can you just let me go home? I'll come back. I swear I will. <laughs> like, I don't know why I thought I would go home. <clears throat> but um, I had a, a lovely client who had a great hospital birth with her first baby. And it went so well that I said to her, wow, you know, you should consider a home birth next time you're really, she was unmedicated, it went well. And so when she got pregnant again, she had a home birth. <clears throat> and she was doing great. Everything was great. She was on her couch at home. And all of a sudden she opened her eyes and she looked at me and she said, Tracy, I want to go home. And of course she was home. Right. And I said, the baby's coming soon. And 10 minutes later, she was pushing out the baby. So there, it's really a normal thing to feel like, oh, I've changed my mind because it gets very intense right at the end. But up until then, a woman can pretty much always change her mind about whatever she planned ahead of time. And I encourage them and will say, do you still want to do what's on your birth plan? Is this still working for you? Can we try something different? So I think it's important to, to have lots of choices. And that's, that's how, when a birth is over, a woman feels empowered. A, a woman or a couple will feel like, wow, we made some really good decisions here. And I feel good about it. I had a client who was induced 
which is the hardest way to have a baby, by far the hardest way. They induced her labor. She was in the hospital for three and a half days and still hadn't had a baby. And finally, the doctor said, I think you should get an epidural. It will help you relax. Maybe there's something inside on because they were giving her all the medications to make a baby come. And she said, I don't feel like it's going to happen. And the doctor said, what do you mean? And she said, I've been working really hard, unmedicated for three and a half days. I'm exhausted. I think a C-section is what I need. And the doctor said, I agree. And she said, let me go to the bathroom. She got up. She went to the bathroom. She came out. She took the sheet off of the bed and wrapped it around her like a cape. And they came in with a wheelchair and she said, nope, I'm walking. And she walked to the operating room with her cape and her little fuzzy slippers. And they followed along behind with the wheelchair. And then she had to go inside. But she just, she took control. Yeah. And it didn't matter that she ended up with a cesarean, which was the last thing she wanted when she was making her plan. Right. But each step of the way, she had a great doctor and the doctor would say, I would like to start this other medication. These are the benefits. These are the risks. What would you like to do? And that's what I usually tell my clients. Right. Like, oh, the doctor wants to do this. Let me explain what that is. Let me help you figure it out. Because I always feel like it's when I take my car to the shop and they're like, oh, well, look at this. This needs to be replaced. And I'm like, where did that come from? I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's supposed to look like that. And they're just showing me a dirty old something. I don't know. I have to take their word for it. But when you're having a baby, that doesn't work. You need to know what they're talking about. Yeah. And I just love the piece that I love so much about this is letting people, helping people to make the choices that empower them because that and all the lessons, it's just such a powerful metaphor for everything. I'm super excited about that because in such high stress circumstances, people feel like they do not have control in their life. And so working with the doula, working with, if you're doing something else, a coach or any person that's going to help you to empower you to make powerful choices for yourself is the best thing. So you have some classes. Oh, the dog woke up. Hello. The dog woke up. He's like, I Go have a to bed, choice honey. too. <laughs> I have a Go choice to bed, too. <laughs> um, so you have some education, you have some classes that people can take. And you are in, where are you located again? Tell us all the things about how to get in touch with you, what you have to offer. And yeah, tell us all the things. I, um, I have a website, bestdoulas.com. And I offer a free consultation, 30 minutes, just like this, one-on-one -on, -one on Zoom. You can ask any questions. I'll help you figure out what's going on. Then I have an introductory class. And it's 90 minutes, and you're going to learn a whole lot of stuff about breastfeeding and diapers and 
what you need to prepare for the birth and tips for the partner, a lot of good stuff. And then if people want to work with me on their the rest of the classes, they can go from there. There are three more classes. If somebody wants me as a virtual doula, I can do that wherever you are in the country with unlimited time on the phone or on Zoom or whatever you use. Um, or I can work with another doula. They used to let me attend a birth and bring a shadow doula with me. And I did that for about 10 years and then COVID hit and the hospitals were like, too many people, you can't do that. So I'm hoping someday we'll get back to that. But um, for right now, I do birth in person or I can send a new doula and be their mentor and be the mentor to the people having the baby. So there's lots of ways to reach me at Best Doulas. I have a contact page with my phone and my text and my email and pretty much anything anybody needs, it's all on my website. And there's lots of information for new doulas and there's lots of information that people can access, articles, whatever. It's all there. Tons of information. Wonderful. Now, before I tell people about my information, if you were to tell, give people some advice on following their calling, what advice would you give them about following your calling? It's all about planning for me. Um, yes, follow your calling. Make sure you can afford to follow your calling. And if you can't, how long will it take you of saving every penny to be able to afford to follow your calling. Don't jump in without looking first. Because when you do that without the preparation, that's when you end up going back to your job at Staples. Because you're like, well, I couldn't make it work. Well, yeah, you weren't ready. You have to be ready. You have to be willing to put in the work. Yeah, 100%. And for those of you who are looking to put in the work <laughs> and prepare yourself for finding true career fulfillment and working with a career transition coach like myself, you can go to book a call with Jenea, that's G-E-N-E-A.com. And I look forward to chatting with you, Tracy. You are an inspiration. You are helping people make powerful decisions in very stressful times. And I know what that does for people as far as their self-confidence and how that ripples out into the world. And I'm sure you do. And you help bring in happy babies that probably have a lot less birth trauma because of that. And as somebody that helps heal trauma, I know how powerful that is. So thank you so much for what you do. And thank you so much for being on the show with me today. It was such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. All right, everybody, we will see you next time on Be the Wolf. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Be the Wolf. Please take a moment to rate, share, and follow this podcast so that together we can inspire others to be the wolf.